Welcome to Revenue Champions with me, Ryan Reiser. Uh, today we have a very exciting episode for you. Uh, we'll be welcoming the global head of sales, John Eilet, to get the inside scoop on just an incredible journey, uh, incredible year for Cognizant. Uh, John will be revealing the secrets of the growth from get this 10 million to 20 million ARR in one year. One year, 10 million. You heard that right. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, enjoy the show. Welcome to Revenue Champions. Uh, John, I'm really excited to have you on here to talk about, I guess, an incredible year at Cognizant, scaling from uh, 10 million to 20 million ARR. Uh, can you kick us off with uh, telling our listeners who, I, mean, I guess, maybe don't know a whole lot about your role in Cognizant Revenue today, but uh, who's Jonathan? Who are you? And yeah, yeah, let's kick off with that. Sounds like a good, good entry point. No, yeah, it's really weird being on the reverse end of this. We've done a few podcasts of Revenue Champions being being in your your shoes, so it's um, nice to be on the other side. But in terms of yeah, my my role. So yeah, my name's John. I head up the UK um, sales team here at Cognizant comes in a lot really as you would imagine in an early stage company not so much now but um kind of run the sales team here in the uk fantastic and and i know outside of running sales here can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey to reach this position a little bit about where you came from yeah sure so um yeah a bit of a bit of a quick quick journey in terms of my career i, I joined cognizant as the second sdr in the organization um and then that was back in 2017 and then since then went into an account executive role I was the first account executive for the business and then grew that team managed that team that managed um our UK team on the back of that so over the space of four years kind of watched Cognizant from early doors to where it is today that's incredible from SDR to AE to head of sales and uh now we're talking about a massive growth stage from 10 to 20 million what an incredible journey. And so what what have you loved most about being a part of this fast-growing sales team? Yeah, I think the one, the one thing for me that I've loved about Cognizant, and it really stems from, I suppose, from the CEO really has been the vision that they've got and like the team cohesion. I think that's been super, super important to how we've grown grown as an organization. But like I've, I've loved, I've always wanted to work in like an early stage startup. That was always my dream when I, when I left university. And I think the appeal hasn't really left I think watching it from the hard work that you put in on a on a daily basis and you can actually see that translate directly in the organization I think that's what I've loved about Cognizant and even even at the scale we're at today I was reflecting on this and I was talking with my other AE manager the other day and we've got like our account executive team like the average age in that team is about 26 like nearly every single person in that that team every person in that team has come from the SDR function at Cognizant and I think it's just incredible that the organization is dependent on a group of 26 year olds. They're given full autonomy. They're the ones that have grown this from 10 to 20. I think that's really, that's what I love. I love that Cognizant. They've given great opportunities to amazing people and the team's just absolutely blown out of the park. So yeah, that's why I like working at Cognizant specifically, but early stage companies, I think it kind of goes back, goes back to that point about seeing results like from your direct hard work. So this path at Cognizant, you know, you started, you, you mentioned earlier, it was, you were number two, you were an SDR. Uh, outside of you <laughs> as the SDR, what, what was the team like when you 
when you first joined got, here? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we had um, Nazma Kaban was our um, head of sales at the time. And then there was only one other SDR in, in the organization as well. So it was very much, we didn't have marketing. Like marketing was not a function probably until, I imagine probably eight, eight nine months down the line, which is quite a long time in startup land. Um, and we were, we were just dependent on outbound sales. That was really, we were practicing what we were preaching, right? We were selling an outbound sales technology. And that was really the engine. It was picking up the phone, dialing, testing, trying to find market fit. And just try and get some revenue on the board. I think it's funny looking back, right? That probably hitting nearly the hundred, hundred deals a month now. And if we look back then it was one or two deals, and that was really that was cause for celebration, right? If we got a deal over the line. So I think it's yeah, it's it a very different state of play, like very different structure, very unstructured, which I think we can discuss today, right? I think I think that was needed for that phase of where we were as an organization. Whereas now it's, it's completely different, right, in terms of how, how we actually structure the teams and how we want to operate as an organization. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think, you know, I, I've been a part of early stage startups. That's kind of my background as well. I'm always maybe in the early on, it was the same, same seat as you, worked my way up to sales leadership, my first startup. But uh, for some reason, I love that early, that early phase where you're really trying to figure stuff out. But I mean, Cognizant seen this amazing trajectory. And uh, I'm just curious what you could see, like, what would you attribute most? You talked a little bit about the leadership and the autonomy, but what, what, what actually really helps things go at a speed of 10 to 20 in a year? You know, what, what are the things that you yeah. see most that help that in that age? The most important thing is just scalability. I think that's really, once you've got a process that you can scale, that's really when you put your foot on the gas. And I think that's really what, that 10 to 10 to 20 phase was right. We built a very, very good alongside like David Bentham in, in the SDR team, we built a very, very good path that we could identify top talent in our SDR function and vice versa. When we were hiring people in, we had a very, very good onboarding program that led to them hitting targets very, very quickly. So I think it comes across that whole journey from SDRs to AEs, like that path that you build. If you can build that and you have very, very clear, clear justification as to why you move people up. And I think a lot of people, what we, what we do that I think has been super, super important is that when it comes to particularly that SDR to AE transition, we make sure that we've got very, very clear criteria in terms of what they need to meet. And it's very number driven. So we would, we, we scale people right on a, on a scale and we say, okay, if you don't meet this criteria, we're not going to move you up. And we've had instances, right, where we've had some of the best performers in the organization, like they've, they've fallen at that hurdle two or three times, but it was the right thing to do. Um, because when they step into that team now, we know they're going to hit target. Like every single person that moves into that team hits target. We had people hit target within two weeks, I think. Our most recent one, Al Pavez, he moved in, like instantly hit the ball rolling. So I think for me, like the that journey of getting that 10 to 20, is really refining your processes and making sure that you've got a consistent, like, you know, that if you plug something in, you know what the output's going to be. Um, and if you haven't really got that refined and you're relying on very siloed processes, like individual people doing their own stuff, that's really when you begin to see that little bit of a wobble. Um, so for me, it was really, that's been the key thing, I think. And now again, it's on that same scale, but making sure that we've got that from a, a management layer now, um, because the process to hire people is very much similar, but as you get bigger, you need to give more autonomy, right? And I think that's really where um, 
that's where we're going to see the next next challenge. Yeah, you've got you're pulling on my heartstrings here. You know, I think there's this uh, this equation that I debate a little bit with some folks uh, yeah. in my network around uh, people process technology. Right? These are the key ingredients for scalability, and uh, you, you've pulled on good people. Uh, the, the the idea that you're you're actually bringing them up. You know, there's this bench of talent. There's these hurdles you're getting through, and um, but you're also pulling on process. And I know. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, there's a, there's a little bit of a secret weapon in this too. Is is the technology that's kind of the backbone of what what this works. You're kind of eating your own uh, dog food or drinking your own champagne, whichever analogy you want there. But in that order, which one do you think is most important? You've got the people. You've got the process. So oh, of course, there's the, the technologies for scalability, but uh, your people are the most important, right? I think that's that's a hundred percent. Like an organization is just a bunch of bunch of individuals, and I think that's they're all they're all important, right? That's why that's why you said it, right? Like for the free underpin underpin success, but like without your people, that is really. And I think I think that's part a reason why, or a lot of a lot of the time, people do neglect their people. And I think it's really really important that especially in the like talent war of today, like we're seeing it's, it's insane. Like there's hundreds of vacancies for salespeople. And if you've got an amazing high performer or even someone that's middle of the road, but got exceptional potential, right? Like it's your job as an organization to get them to that next level. And if you can contain that. So if I look at it from my perspective, right, we've got a bit of a tangent, but our whole account executive team's now been in the market selling Cognizant for nearly three years. Like that is a huge value add, right? That that's, innate knowledge that they know about the market they are they are thought leaders now in the market right mm-hmm. comparative to some of our providers that are just churning out account executives left right center like that time frame to get that that knowledge it it takes time it really really does so i think people are the most important thing if you can retain that like cost drop uh, it's a great environment to work in like it attracts talent as well if you're going like we're hiring a lot at the moment we can point at people in the organization and say yeah. Look, Safe Khan here, he was an SDR two years ago. He's now managing the team. Like that could be you. And I think that's really, really important. So I think people's the most important one. Man, I, I actually, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of organizations pull that off these days. And the, it, it, this is pre-pandemic when you saw this, right? You're talking about AEs that have been around for, for three years. Uh, this rise, your your prime example of this, going from SDR into sales leadership. There's not that many open positions as it continues to scale. Um, but at the same time, there's definitely um, there's definitely going to be more and more responsibilities if you if you stay on that trajectory. So that momentum is building on itself. But that culture of being able to maintain sales talent and develop them through is is huge. I mean. I mean, I'm I'm actually kind of, I'm I'm excited. I'm leaning in. And in my own experience with Cognizant so far, you know, I've I've uh, I met uh, James and Alice uh, a few a few. I guess it'll have been like last summer uh, through that webinar with Josh Braun and the sales hacker thing. And from that day, uh, meeting the team and having real conversations, it's just a different. It's a different mindset. It's a different culture. Uh, it seems like it comes top down, but it's also kind of bred bottom up. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, being here now for just, uh, I guess, the first few weeks of January, moving into February, just every single person at the organization seems to have that that factor. Where, 
I guess, um, where are you guys differentiating on that side? I mean, it's definitely the career pathing, but uh, is mm. there some secret sauce on where you're pulling this talent from? Is it onboarding? I'm just very curious because it, it definitely seems to be a different breed uh, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think our, our hiring strategy has changed a little bit. I think it's, I think as you scale as well, like hope we will retain that culture, right? That promote from within culture. I think that's, that's, integral to who we are as an organization but i think is that a scalable process when we need to double our headcount this year probably not right like we can't move that many junior sdrs into account executive roles so that that will shift i think and we'll, we will have to look external and i think it's important that like at cognizant that's one thing we've always done right is refine our processes depending on what's right and i think we're at that stage now where it's a great underlying culture to have but it's probably not the right process if we want to go from 20 million to 40 million this year. Like we're going to have to go external for that, right? So as much as I love it, I think there is a little bit of a, a nuance there that we have to we have to adapt to, right? But um, yeah, the secret sauce, I don't, I don't actually know. I don't, I don't know what, it's hard to reflect back when you're in it, right? As to what, <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what it is that's ticking. But I think like Dave's done a superb job. Like I think, Maybe basic stuff like if there's a disagreement, right, in the interview process, we have three managers involved in the interview process at the SDR level. If any of them disagree, it's a no. So I think if there's any any shadow of doubt, and that's something that we've always we've always held true. If if someone's not bought into that person, like any in any regard, it's an instant no. So I think that's been something from a cultural standpoint how we retain very diverse but similar people, right, in terms of mindset. Um, I think backgrounds like we've. There's certain certain recruiters in the UK, right, and probably the same in the states that just produce the same people, like replicas of each other, right. And I think we've really tried to break that mold a little bit and try and really diversify the people that we bring into the organisation. Um, and I think that's helped, right, a, a different viewpoint and different experiences coming into, coming into the role. So, yeah, I think there's a number of things, but that, I think the number one is that that agreement across across the leadership team and really put importance on that especially as you scale like it's important like hiring is the most important thing that that piece is is actually uh very important right the, the investment in your people you know if it's a maybe it's a no mindset is is um it's hard but uh that makes a lot of sense because once they're in they're in and that seems to reflect in what you've shared today around we're gonna develop you We've got milestones. We know that if you can get here, we can rely on you. Uh, people first process that works. Um, it's just a great formula for success. I think it's onus, right, as well. It's onus, putting the onus on the manager that if you if you accept someone into your team, right, and they fail, like that is not on that individual. That is on that's Huge. on you. That's that's on the management, right? Like we've identified this person has that potential and has that talent. Like if they fail, that's really a a process and management in. 95% of the time, right? But I think it's really important that expectation is put on the managers as well. Um, and then it does breed that that culture, right, of making sure that people progress, they they get all that external knowledge that they need they need to they need to get to grow in their role. That's huge. You don't hear that often. Right? The 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 data shows that especially in the SDR function, you know, you have to hire two to keep one. It takes like 15 months before they're really productive. They want to be promoted within 18 and I mean clearly you, you you all have grown so quickly that you're providing you know a fast track to some of this stuff but at the same time there's so many organizations that 
they literally put it in their model that okay if that's the if that's the data i guess that's what's going to happen so they're they're just churning and burning they're over hiring with the idea that some will burn out mm-hmm. doesn't sound like that's the case here you're in and you're in right I, I, clearly not everyone's always going to work out this is sales and there's going to be folks that might not pan through but um i mean i'm still just kind of thinking in my head three the average tenure of the aes and they're it's still the same core group for three plus years i mean that's just that's incredible like you said yeah, I was say it, like it's it's funny right like we're hiring we're looking at external aes in certain roles right and it's it's the same people that are coming up it's these high performing sdrs uh are in other organizations and they've capped them and they've said you need to do this for another six months and they got itchy feet and these are these are the highest performers in those organizations at the sdr level and they're just not giving them the opportunity and then organizations are a little bit forward thinking they do they do take these people and then you've got an exceptional wild trained person that's going to deliver like it's yes yeah, it's, it's a bit of a broken process i think yeah let's let's do a little bit of a uh assume things right so if you were if you were the global head of sales way back in 17 not the, not the yesterday when mm-hmm. you started and, and you just joined the company uh, and now you know what you know. Would you have done anything a little bit different or maybe sooner? Um, no, to be honest, I would not because it wouldn't have, it's different, right? In terms of how, if I look back in terms of what was, what was important that made that phase really, really successful, it was like the inefficiencies. It was the kind of little bit of a lack of direction in terms mm. of who was, who was a great customer for us. Like if we didn't go through that phase and we didn't, go out to the market and speak to everyone, we wouldn't have found what message was was translating. And I think that's super important when you're early. Like, if you're solely reliant on marketing when you're early stage, like you're not getting the real feedback from real people in the market. Like you're just getting inbound traffic that's probably saying what you want to hear, right? On a very minute scale. So I think that kind of outbound focus was so, so important. Like it led the product direction a lot. Um, in terms of what we needed to adapt to really get deals to close. But yeah, I, th- I think like the lack of structure to an extent was what was needed at that time. And it was like pure, like it was really the vision, right? That was set out from from James. It was like, we're going to get to 10 million. And that was, if you spoke to anyone in the organization at that point, when it was very, very small, that was across all of our heads. We were like, we're going to get to 10 million. Like, and I think it's really important to digest that down. And that's something I've learned from a from a leadership level now is actually conveying a common goal. Like what is the common goal as to why are we doing this? Like what's everyone singing to this year that we have to achieve? And if someone in the team doesn't know that, they're probably not going to be able to be bought in. So I think that was super important early stage. Later, I think it's been, like you said, like people process technology, like that's been, that has been like the core foundations, right? Like we bought in at series A, we bought in um, Antoine, like who's our RevOps guy, like he's built that technology piece now that we, and the process piece, right? There was probably a little bit lacking, but like all these stages, I think credit to James, right? Like he's probably had great advisors that have said, this is, you're coming to a pivotal point now, like you need to have this in place. Um, And I think every stage has kind of developed and we've had the right infrastructure put in place at that particular stage. The only thing I would say from my own personal perspective like it's more like a, a thing that I learned was a very, very early stage. If you get a bad, like a bad apple in the team, like that can be so detrimental. Um, and I think I probably from what you've heard today, right? Like I'm, I really do believe in like retaining people and like making sure that we grow them. And I think that was like a, that was like a 
a bad thing on me, right? Because as soon as you get a bad apple in like a very, very small team, that that toxicity can spread very, very quickly. So I think knowing when to get rid of people, that's probably something that I would have adapted a little bit. Um, and I think I'm still learning that at the moment, to be honest. Like, what, what is that right right time to to let someone go when it's when it's not a good fit? And at the same time as well, like it's, if it's not a good fit for us, it's probably not a good fit for them, and they'll probably be more successful elsewhere. And I think that's that's been probably one thing that I would have changed a little bit. You continue to say things that are are so I don't know, just near and dear to me. The, the first thing you said here was, you know, you have to go through that friction. In this world today, we all seem, especially, you know, as more and more elder millennials are in these leadership positions or they're starting startups for the first time, mm. or, you know, they're, they're trying to grow teams for the first time. Uh, we've grown up in this age of immediacy, you know, swipe a button, it's there. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, Ubers or uh, now food delivery, all that stuff, right? And um, um, yet we tend to forget that growth happens with friction. Growth happens, you know. Uh, you know, magic happens with uh, with with failing, um, and it's like if we didn't know those things, we couldn't get to the, to where we're at now. Knowledge is so so. It's it's almost this thought that well, I'll just Google that. You know, sometimes you actually mm -hmm. have to. Sometimes, if you want to get to another level, you just have to experience that. And I just I love that piece. And then. You know, it's so. I'll stick with your story on that in a second about how that is so. That is so true, and if you, I'm going into it really quickly if you want, because it's, it's. No, so, it's, yeah, yeah, just dive in here. Let's go in. Relevant now, right? Yeah. So, um, we were predominantly up, up until last year, we were very focused on SMB. That was really our our thing, right? We never really tested the water. We never really went up market. We we were, it was predictable. We knew that was very very successful, and then we had a new hire, Mark, coming, Mark Bedard from the states from from Zoom Info, and he was like, "Look, just." go up market, just do it. Like, let's just test it and see. And I think if we didn't do that, like it's super successful now. It's our super, it's our most successful segment in the organization is our mid-market enterprise team. But if we didn't do that and we didn't create that friction and go and speak to these people and find out where we were lacking from like a process standpoint, like why weren't we getting, why weren't, why weren't we getting to the right decision maker? Let's adapt our process of how we approach it from an SDR function. From a product perspective, how can we, fine-tune the trial and how can we make that proof of concept very relevant to an enterprise organization like if you don't put yourself and immerse yourself in very uncomfortable situations like you're not going to be able to know what's needed to actually achieve that so i think it's so so true like you have to do that and we learned so much doing that right and it's bettered every part of the organization having having trialed and broken into now the mid-market enterprise team so yeah I can't, I can't agree more with you on that yeah, I mean, you cannot grow. I mean, I guess you can stumble into it, but you cannot yeah. grow without friction. And this goes to everything in your life, right? The things that, the things that make you feel uncomfortable. And then I think that the other thing that was really it, it comes out just talking to you is just your your passion and enthusiasm for the people. But I love the idea that, and I think I've been there myself. I know I've been there. I don't want to say anything. I've I have been there like myself where. I also want to invest in people. I want to give everyone as long as they possibly can. I want to put it on myself as if they're not successful or not. And that idea of a bad apple spoiling the bunch, especially especially early on. Is there is there any advice 
there that you might give someone who's in that scale up function maybe they care a lot about their people mm. it, it might not just be about the people side of thing that was one example but is there any, any advice you might give a team that's looking to really hit the trigger right that it's a stage that um, um that might help them get through these uh, these hurdles i think it's important if you've got if you've got a process that's repeatable then it doesn't really someone might be a ridiculously high performer right but they might be very very toxic for the team like in that instance, you're probably very hesitant to actually let that person go because of the numbers they're putting up. But if you've got a process in place that you can replicate and get that person again, like then I think that's that's the thing that I always struggled with was that despite the performance they're giving today, like if it's causing issues in other aspects of the organization and within the team, that dynamic and that culture that you're looking to to do, it's better to let go early rather than just let that spiral out of control. So yeah, but it's tough. I think that everyone's different, right? How they need to be managed. Like I think that's that's key, right? In in any management role, is like not everyone's gonna be managed the same, but you'll get you'll know when something's not right. And I think that that's more the gut thing, right? Rather than a numbers thing. And I think that's really when you need to evaluate evaluate it. But it's tough. Yeah. I mean, there's not that many people have come along this way, right? If you look at the data around organizations that just get to that million dollar phase like most most mm -hmm. companies don't get there and then that next hurdle of 10 million that that idea that you had a leader with a north star and everyone believed in it is is huge and and now you're on your well on your way to get out there and probably break some records and i think that transitions nice into uh 2022 just raised a big round i know we only have a few minutes here so i want to i want to get some of this this uh this out here if we can um big round and um, you know, eighty-seven point five million Series C. How does that impact plans for what you're doing? It seems like there's a there's a great group of people. You've got the process nailed. You're swimming up market. But what does that mean for for you as you're looking to take advantage of some of this extra capital? Yeah, I think it's really at the point now. It's very much specialization. I think we very much had many people wearing many hats, doing many different things. Right, like. SDR managers, AE managers were doing kind of that sales enablement piece. And I think now it's now it's at the point where you've got that specialization, you own that metric and you own that particular function. Um, whereas before it's been very convoluted, it's been very, that's just part of your additional role that you have to do. So I think this additional capital from my perspective is really going to make sure that we've got the right infrastructure in, in place to scale, like on a mass, on a mass level. Um, and I, I don't think if you haven't got those foundations in place, like if we're hiring 40 SDRs, 20 AEs, right? Like that process from a onboarding, everything like that, there has to be someone that owns that. There has to be, and that has to be on a regional level as well, not just on like a, well, like we're a global company. We've got offices in the US, offices in Germany. Until last year, like it was very much, we were responsible for that global revenue. Like we had that all under us, right? And that's, that's tough because how do you prioritize and really own free regions? It's very, very difficult to do that. So I think now that separation, we've got Volker come in, Volker and Mickey for owning the German team. We've got Mark Sparaco in the States owning the States. That's really the next evolution is making sure you've got your pod, you own that metric and all the additional elements to support you is going to be put in place. And yeah, obviously just heads, right? Like we've got, we got a great market fit now and it's really just getting, if we can get our message out there 
quick enough, like we know we're going to get the revenue. So yeah, hiring is the key thing this year, making sure we bring the right people into the organization. We don't, we don't deflect from the culture that we built. Um, that's probably going to be the biggest challenge, but yeah, that's, that's really what we're looking. I think that's, that's kind of what we're looking to do, right? Products, obviously I'm sure Ryan, you've seen since you've been in the organization, right? In terms of the drive to get the products way advanced into that, into that market leading position and really come up with new, new technologies that, other people haven't seen in the market yet. So I think that is, that's a big focus for the round as well. Like making sure that we've got stuff always unique coming out to the market, the, like the immersion of intent data, like with Bombora that we've got in place now, like our diamond verified records, like that is going to be, that is, that is going to be the de facto, right. In terms of what data should be every date, every single record should have full completeness should be hundred percent accurate every record should have a mobile number like that's the kind of level that we want to push um and i think the, the money's definitely going to help do that and so that that that, that actually translates really nice here because you're talking about always you're hitting those big things for me right ownership's key one metric what's that one thing that we're going to and mm-hmm. and you're talking now about uh what can we do to really get out there and get the message out there and the backbone of all of this, what started this journey was outbound. You've got a great marketing team. Mm. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Just just a, a content machine uh, that works well together, that mm-hmm. seems to support the right initiatives. But you know, I had the conversation uh, last week with Joe Porter over at Juro. He was talking about, you just brought this up about intent data, things like that. Um, how do you see stuff like that and other emerging technologies then spill into what you think about outbound and obviously got a little bit of a secret weapon here but what what excites you about what that means you know four or five years ago you didn't have necessarily all this but you've got this knowledge uh you've got a process you've got great people and now you've got potentially some of these technologies that can get you hyper focused Mm -hmm. what do you think that means to um what you can accomplish this year yeah We'll go back to the intent data piece, right? I think I think it's very, very immature at the moment in terms of what it can actually deliver. I think the benefit of outbound, right, is, is that spear phishing element. Like you can go after whatever account you want that you think is a great fit. And there is only so much for us, right? We've got a very, very wide TAM and a, and a huge ICP that we can sell to realistically. Um, but from a rep perspective, knowing what account to focus on today, like I think that's still intent data has got such a role that it can play in that. And I still think that's not, that hasn't really fully translated yet. I think everyone's got a contact data provider, right? Um, Generally speaking, but not a lot of people have a provider that's telling you the accounts to go after. And I think that's really the next evolution is that prioritization of what, what accounts should I focus on today? What accounts is going to get me that high ACV, get me their multiple seats, and even today for us as, as an organization, right? Like, I don't think I, when I speak to people, when we speak to people every single day, like a lot of organizations are putting that onus on the rep, like a rep that's been in the organization two years, like how are they realistically, or even less than that, right? Maybe even the SDR is responsible for going after the events, right? <laughs> yes. Like how do they, how do they really realistically know what the churn on that customer is, what the average spend is going to be, what the sales cycle is going to be on that, right? And I really think that's where intent data and revenue operations can come into play. Take that onus off the SDR, let them do their job. 
at the same time, give them a list of accounts that are in market, give them the contact data and really let them do what they're specialized at, which is cold calling and emailing. And I think that's really, that's where I see the market moving. I see it going, uh, I don't think there's really anyone that's really doing this at the moment, right? From an account data perspective, like you've got Bombora, but again, it's everyone's so focused on the individual. And I, I get this when we sell to people, it's okay. Can you tell me the person that's buying the solution at the moment? It's like, we can't because of <laughs> compliance, but at the same time, like you need to look, look back at the bigger picture, right? And think what account should I be going after firstly? Um, and I think that's, for me, that's like a big, big white space that no one's really tackling yet. Uh, you know, I wrote about, I wrote about this process in 2017, I guess it's back when you started uh, yeah. my book at my book outbound sells no fluff. It just hits that, you know, you target companies, you sell the people and uh, the list is the strategy. And that's mm. what I get so excited about with what Cognizant is building. It's just like, uh, you know, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand and like automatically have, uh, a vision. It seems that James and I have a, a huge uh, alignment there. And then where you've built this thing out, it's so exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I know we're we're getting really tight on time uh, for you today, so I want to make sure we uh, we end with some of these key questions. There's two things uh, two things that um, I wanted to get out of you because it's it's very clear that you yourself are somebody that you know. If I was just getting started today, I'd be like, man, I, I want to. How do I follow Jonathan's career path? Like, I want to I want to get in and be an early stage hire, work my way up, uh, become a head of sales of a, of a, you know, just fast growth rocket ship. Uh, mm. how, what advice would you give to someone today that, especially right now in this market, there's more jobs than ever, right? There's, there's, it's not, it, it seems as if you want to do this job, someone's probably going to give you a shot, which is super exciting mm. to be a junior BDR, SDR these days, but how do I step up my game and really become the next Jonathan, uh, <laughs> in, in 2022? Yeah. So I think you need to know yourself, right? In terms of whether that whether the organization is a good fit for you. That's like the most the most important thing for me. Like is is I look for a number of things. And I I'm, I can translate this to a story about myself, right? So I joined another company before I joined Cognizant. I was there for three weeks and then I handed in my notice. I was like, this is just not the right role for me. And the reason behind that was first thing was around like the management, like it wasn't really they hadn't really done it before. And like, for me, that was super, super important. And then the other thing was like, from a, there's something I always tell people whenever they speak to me, it's like, what infrastructure are they giving you as an organization to make sure that you succeed? Like what tech stack have they got? Like if you're doing, I was spending at this previous place, I was there for three weeks and I was spending four hours a day trying to, trying to find contact data to call people. And I was like, that is really, that's holding me back in my career because I could be doing four hours, like doing something else, right? Like booking more meetings, making more money. So I think for me, it's Talk, talking to the market, learning to the market. Exactly right. so, like, for me, it's like, if you, if you are getting that first time job, right? Like, don't be afraid of, don't be afraid if it doesn't feel right. And you don't feel valued in what you're doing, like to actually step away. Like there's, there's so many jobs out there. Right. So that's, that's my first bit of advice is like, stick true to what, what's, what you feel. And secondly, I think like for me, it was always like focus on the immediate, like what is what is your what's your responsibilities in the role that you're in at the moment like if you if you meet those targets and you exceed and you're so driven on that like opportunities will just present themselves for you that's the way it's always been for me right i've never gone looking for a promotion like that's never that's never been my objective either like my objective has always been like focus on my now and then once i get my now perfected hopefully that will create enough of a noise that 
yeah, John's probably the right guy for that next role, right? Like he's delivered every single time that we've asked him to do that exact specific thing. So as an SDR, that's super, super important as well, right? Like people don't like cold calling. People don't like that element of the job, but that is the job. So if you can master that, smash your targets, like it will just present itself. And then the other thing, actually, it's quite important. Like it depends what you want as well. Like no company, every company's different at a different stage. Like like we discussed today, right? Like that seed level is very scatty. It's a scatty time. Like it's, you get a lot of responsibility. You have to put a lot of onus on yourself to actually hit those numbers. Whereas if you want a bit more stability and you want a process predefined, like then go for a later stage company. And I think people fall into that wrong. I don't think people understand that when they go for their first role. They don't understand the difference between a very early stage to a series C, series D company, right? It's a very different experience. Um, and you need to find out what's right for you and what you actually enjoy. I love that. I mean, you're just, you're, you're, I, I could talk to you for hours and I'm looking forward to building on this relationship over the uh, next couple of years here. Uh, yeah. Last question. We got to always ask this one and we'll, we'll get, we'll get you out of here, but, uh, and maybe you already have this, uh, I guess it'd be an extra extra with your, uh, your, your coffee, your, your coffer you have now after the round, but if you had an extra 50,000 pounds, uh, I got to figure out what that translation is into dollars too. So the other it's side, like yeah, man, we're just, that inflation is killing us over here. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you, have, you have that extra 50,000 pounds to invest in your, 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 the BDR team, SDR team. Yeah. Right now, where would you put the, where would you put those chips? Well, that's a tough question. Um, you might not like this answer, but this is the way I probably would do it, right? From a, it depends on what we're looking to achieve, right? Like, I think training and upskilling is super, super important. Like the the fact that a lot of the team are very, very junior, I think it's always good to get like different perspectives on stuff. So, like, I think an external viewpoint on our strategy, like how we're doing stuff, I think that that's probably what I'll spend the, the immediate on. But at the same time, like, I do believe that each individual knows where their shortfalls are. And I think like if it was a 50k amount, like I'd, I'd actually like to give some to like each individual rep and they have to use that in some kind of learning and development role. Um, learn I, that. I think that's probably, that's probably what I would do to be honest, right? Like, cause a blanket decision across the entire team is probably not the right thing to do. But if it was just free money, I'd probably just say, go wild, train yourself. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that answer. What did you say? Wouldn't like that. The fact, I mean, it just goes back to everything you've shared today with us, which was uh people first and you you know if you have extra money you're going to not just say here's what i think but you know what i i believe that you should invest in yourself i mean that's just it's that's huge uh, it's go. very it's very clear that the culture here is driven by its people and and it goes all the way from the top to the bottom and and john i mean this is an incredible conversation i know you're a busy individual doing a lot of things trying to get from now 20 to 40 million uh really appreciate your time today thanks for thanks for joining us on the show no problem Ryan. thank you so much it's great great to have you hosting it looking forward to the future episodes yeah absolutely have a great day